0: I want you to keep these three words in mind as we go through the art of neighboring, motives matter. I want you to keep in mind gentleness, respect, and sensitivity. I want you to keep those words in mind. I want to frame those around a message, the art of neighboring where motives matter. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the most incredible reality of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Father, may our lives be characterized both living that out in our daily experiences and sharing that with those around us. The life-changing power of Christ to transform lives. Amen. There's a book called The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathan and Dave Runyon. It's a book that we're using as the backdrop for this short series as we think about neighboring, sharing our faith with people around us. It's a very important series. It's very important for us to engage in people in our sphere of influence. I had the privilege when I was in Bemidji to be involved in three organizations in the community, and I really encourage you, that's one of the best ways to engage people in relationships, which become the conduit, the vehicle, the means by which the relationship people can maybe encounter the living Christ. I was involved in the Rotary for a number of years, and that's a great organization in in the community, sitting around tables every week, the opportunity to engage people. I was involved in the Food Shelf Board and the Habitat Humanity Board. And again, it was a platform, it was a privilege to be able to serve these great organizations, but also they became an opportunity to meet people, to engage in the life of people. So as we think today about our motives, motives matter. In the art of neighboring that book they state that if an evangelistic strategy is our only motive we will not be good neighbors neighboring must be done with the right motive and may i add in the right way there's a wonderful story about thelma my mother loved the woman who lived across the street from home who married late in life she really had found her security in her husband and he was a wonderful man and one day he had a sudden heart attack and he died within seconds after his, his funeral, she began to visit his gravesite. My mother became very concerned about her good friend, Thelma. She said to me one hot summer afternoon, Charles, I want you to pray. I'm going to take the cookies and lemonade across the street, and I'm going to try to encourage Thelma. Just pray that her heart will be open to what I have to say. I'm going to talk to her about Jesus. And so I did. My mother wonderfully, very graciously, led her to Christ. She said to Thelma, "You know, Thelma, there's something I need to mention to you. You really don't have to keep going back to the cemetery." Thelma said, "Oh, yes, I do. I just have to do that." So my mother said, "Well, let me suggest to you for going there for another reason." She said, "Why don't you go back not to try to make connection with your husband, but to minister to other people who are trying to do that? Thelma took her mother's my mother's advice. As a matter of fact, she's the only cemetery evangelist I ever knew. There at the park, the memorial park in Houston, she led many, many people to faith in Christ. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about when we talk about the art of neighboring. This is what we're talking about when we're trying to reach and minister to people, try to move them towards Christ. It's the opportunities that are there that we can take advantage of. But before I get to the motives, I just want to reinforce to us how important the gospel, the gospel really matters. The gospel is so important and, and the gospel is being proclaimed and lived out all throughout the world. I would encourage you, sometimes we become very provincial. We think of only our world but I want you to know there's a huge world out there that people are coming to Christ in masses throughout the world. People are hearing the good news of Christ and they're responding in places, some of the most difficult places. The places where people are experiencing the greatest persecution and difficulty in this world are people coming in masses to Christ. There's nothing more important for people than to enter into a relationship to, with God through Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision anybody can make. We believe that Jesus provides the real and the ultimate solution for people's lives. We should have a dream in our relationships with people that people would come to know Jesus. You see, the gospel, the good news of Christ, is a centerpiece we have to offer the world. I think it's important that we are always ready. Peter writes these wonderful words, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and do this with respect. Here's a beloved apostle Peter as he traveled all over sharing Christ. He says, revere Christ in your hearts as Lord we come to him as our savior we live it out as he is our lord and be ready to anybody who asks us we're ready to give a reason for the wonderful hope that we have in christ i believe that there in our lives there's all these divine appointments that god wants to move us to people that he's trying to move to himself and we have the opportunity to intersect as we're sensitive to the spirit of god who's moving in our lives and as we say god use me today Use me in the lives of people that I will encounter in my sphere of influence, my neighborhood. God moves people our way so that we can share the wonderful message of Christ. We need to be prepared to simply share our story. Our story is unique to you, how you came to Christ, what it means to you to know Christ in a personal way. We need to understand and be able to articulate at the moment when we have the opportunity the great story of God, the plan that God had from the very beginning of time with fallen humanity to bring Him back to Himself. We need to know our story in light of the great story of God. Billy Graham states that the greatest hindrance to evangelism today is the poverty of our own experience. And if we don't have a vibrant experience with Christ, we're not going to be in the position as neighbors in our sphere of influence to share the wonderful message of Christ. We have a story to tell. Every one of us has a story to tell. Story which includes sinfulness, mercy, grace, forgiveness. The most important element is God's overwhelming grace. Be ready to simply tell the story. Know the story. Know the story of God. And both are quite necessary. I appreciate in that passage he also says do it with gentleness and respect this is where we start talking about our motivation our motives for why we engage in sharing christ we do it with gentleness and we do it with respect i also think it's important for us as we think about the gospel the good news that we are central to god's plan second corinthians a very good important passage that was just read thanks be to god who always leads us to triumph as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Everywhere. For we are to be God's pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are saved and those who are perishing, one to the aroma of death, the other to the aroma of life. Who, any of us, is equal to such task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the Word of God for profit. We speak to God with sincerity as those sent from God. Thanks be to God always leads us to triumph in Christ's triumphal procession. Obviously, he's using the imagery when um, a Roman emperor or one of the military generals conquers a certain tribal or group of people. And they have a procession that goes right in Rome, and a procession as the, the military general is first, and then his entourage of some of his significant soldiers with him, and at the back end is the captives that have been captured in this conquest. And that's the imagery that God uses. But it's very interesting. He says, We are captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Yeah. You've got to realize the captives in that imagery are the ones at the end of that procession. And these are the ones who came who will die in the arena. They will die in the arena. In the spectacle of all the people, they will die. And Christ calls us to follow him even if it means to the point of death. We follow him because we're part of his great triumphant procession. And folks, he uses you and me to spread the aroma. There was incense that was all over the place in this great ceremony of conquest. And and this aroma is the incense of the knowledge of Christ. You see, it's the knowledge of Christ that needs to be proclaimed. It's not good enough just to live our lives, even though that is so important to live our lives to reflect the gospel of Christ. But he says that the knowledge of Christ will be proclaimed everywhere in our neighborhoods, in our sphere of influence. It's a two-edged sword, however, the proclamation of God's good news. God's pleasing aroma is to both those who are being saved and also it will be a means to identify those who are perishing. You see, it will do both as we share Christ. Who is equal to the task, Paul asks. And the practical reality is none of us are. None of us are equal to the task of being the ones God uses to proclaim Christ in word and deed. None of us. And that's why in chapter 3 of this great book, he says our adequacy, we must always remember, comes from Christ. Our adequacy is in him. For all the things we do as we uh, identify Him as the one who is our Lord, we realize that none of us are adequate without the redeeming power of Christ. The Apostle Paul was facing people who were peddling the word of God for profit. There were people who were insincere, people who were self-sufficient, boastful, artful, and extracting money from the gullible church members, what we call fleecing the flock. And the apostle paul raises up more than anything else that we do things out of sincerity and he is a model of sincerity sincerity gentleness respect these are persons that god loves i think it's also important to recognize the cultural context Helmut fielich is a protestant theologian in germany states the gospel must be preached afresh and told in new ways to every generation since every generation has its own unique questions the gospel must constantly be forwarded to a new address because the recipients is repeatedly changing their place in residence the gospel that we proclaim we must understand the best we can the cultural context the passage in first Corinthians chapter 8 I want you to listen to this passage as I read it because it's so important For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise the intelligence of the intellectual i will frustrate where are the wise where are the teachers of the law where is the philosophers of the age has not god made foolish the wisdom of the world for since in the wisdom of god the world through its wisdom did not know him God was pleased through foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks demand wisdom. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, a foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who has been called both Jew and Greek, Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Folks, we need to realize the context by which we proclaim Christ. We need to understand that. So many people, when we proclaim the good news of Christ, to them it is foolishness. It's utter foolishness to them. A dying Savior does not even register in their worldview. But the powerful message of those who are being saved, it is the power of God at work in the lives of people. We've got to understand that there's all kinds of conflicting worldviews out there. We have an audience, by and large, who isn't buying what we're selling, and I don't like the terminology there, but you get to the point. Jesus states in the world, the world will hate me, and they will also hate you. As we proclaim Christ, as we're only witnesses of the redeeming power of Christ, we realize that there are many, as Paul says, enemies of the cross. But the foolishness of Jesus Christ to the world, the onlooking world, might look foolish, but it's the wisdom of God. The weakness of God is so much stronger than any human strength. C.S. Lewis in God in the Dock says, As Christians, we are tempted to make concessions to those outside the faith. We give in too much. No, I don't mean that we should run the risk of making a nuisance of ourselves by witnessing at improper times. But there comes a time when we must show our Christian colors. If we're going to be true to Christ, we cannot remain silent and concede everything away. And he's so true. The gospel, folks, matters to us. The gospel matters deeply to a dying world. But just for a moment, let me just encourage us to keep our motives clear. Gentleness, respect, sincerity. There's some ways that people present the good news or live it out that that really is counterproductive and motives matter. Some people do it out of hidden agenda. Our own agenda is just simply to convert people. You know, these people that go around on the street corners and whatnot, I I have respect for them. I don't know if it's the best methodology But nonetheless it's very important that we don't have some sort of hidden agenda that all we are is just to convert people it's not about our timetable it's about god's timetable friendships with strings attached is not good neighboring and the writer of the art of neighboring distinguishes between ulterior motive and ultimate one ulterior motives mean we are concealed with what we're trying to do the motive is usually manipulative but if we have the ultimate in mind, it means we're always looking to the furthest point of the journey in mind. And that is, ultimately, we desire more than anything else that people will come to know and experience Christ. You must realize that when we share Christ, it's not simply about saving souls. I can remember growing up in the past that we celebrated as a church just simply numbers of people that came to Christ. IT'S GREAT TO CELEBRATE A ROSE, I WISH WE HAD MORE PEOPLE COME TO CHRIST, THAT'S FANTASTIC. BUT JUST SIMPLY SAYING I'M GOING f- I'm, TO I'm, I'm, I'm RESPOND TO GOD'S GRACE ISN'T ENOUGH, BECAUSE GOD IS ALL ABOUT MAKING DISCIPLES. AND THERE WAS SO MUCH ZEAL IN THE PAST, AND I APPRECIATE SO MUCH THE ZEAL OF PEOPLE THAT WANT PEOPLE TO BE SAVED. BUT WE MUST UNDERSTAND THAT WE ARE PERSONS, WE'RE NOT SIMPLY SOULS TO BE SAVED. NOT JUST SOULS TO BE SAVED, BUT PERSONS TO BE REDEEMED, BROUGHT INTO A RELATIONSHIP WITH THE LIVING CHRIST. IT'S IMPORTANT THAT WE LISTEN TO OUR NEIGHBORS' PERSONAL STORIES, THEIR INFORMATION ABOUT THEIR LIVES, THEIR DREAMS, THEIR DESIRES, THEIR REGRETS, THEIR LOSSES, THEIR PAIN, BECAUSE WE TREAT THEM AS PERSONS. WE MUST NOT PEDDLE THE GOSPEL FOR PROFIT. WE SEE IT ALL AROUND US AND and THAT IS AN OFFENSE TO THE GOSPEL OF CHRIST. I won't mention the leader, but there's one leader as he travels around the world. He stays in the most opulent hotels there are. If you go on to Bahamas, there's these two huge towers and there's a, a connecting room that connects those. It's $10,000 a night to stay there. And this traveling evangelist stays at that place for $10,000 a night at the same time as he asks older people to give their 10 and their $20 a month to support his ministry. The Apostle Paul went out of his way so the gospel is presented with gentleness, with respect and sincerity. Finally, it's not about baiting and switching. We only establish friendships and love people so that we can get them saved. The only agenda is to convert people. We are called to love people, period, because God loves them so deeply as we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. The person does not come to Christ, and we've been working and we've been ministering to them and we've been involved in their lives. If they choose not to come to Christ, they're still going to be our friends. God still was the friend of Adam and Eve, even though they fall and walked away from fell and walked away from Him. So as we think about it here as close, I just encourage you to think about the words of Paul. That we share Christ with a deep, deep concern for people. There's a deep respect that's there. There's a deep sense of sincerity to what we do. And above all else, the Apostle Paul encourages us to be gentle. Gentle with people. We want them to understand God's great, great story. We want people to understand our story so that they can come to Christ and it can be their story. Amen.